This is Nerding Casually, a conversation between two friends who just wanted to nerd out across state lines. On this episode of Nerding Casually, we talk about the Terminator series and what went wrong. Also, a beloved movie is coming back to the big screen. We have a new Aunt May, Goosebumps, and Sarah O'Connor is tweeting about Skynet. So boys and girls, stop what you're doing, grab your guns, and let's take down Skynet, because we're about to start Nerding Casually. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Hey, good. It's going pretty good. How about you, Ken? Uh, pretty good. Uh, I like how we always fake that this is the first time we've said hey, and we've had a conversation before the podcast. I, I like that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. People think that uh, this is the first time we, we talk to each other, but it really isn't. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry for that uh, behind the scenes uh, tour, everybody. Uh, <laughs> So I think we we do it as more of a formality, just so that the audience knows that they're welcomed into our conversation. You know, like, oh yeah, yeah, hey everybody, now? welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels weird saying welcome to everybody because there's nobody in front of me right now. <laughs> our spirit audience, our exactly. future audience. <laughs> <laughs> we welcome you, one and all, all the millions that are listening to us at some point. Some point, yes, yes. Um. So, let's just jump into the news for this week, and uh, we'll do that, and then we'll nerd out in a little bit, all right? Sounds good, man. All right, so starting up, so I got a text message this morning uh, uh, with Matthew asking if I was sitting down, and I was, thought something had happened, and it turns out that Iron Giant is actually coming back to the big screen uh, this uh, this fall uh, in September. It's a one-week release where they've actually w- went ahead and like they remastered the movie and everything, and... I honestly cannot wait until this comes out because I love that movie. It, it's such a feel-good movie, and it just it's a beautiful movie in its own. Um, I, I can tell you how much I actually love this movie. I've actually considered paying $350 for a piece of paper art, which is like, for this, it's like a really intricate uh, building of the Iron Giant itself. And I just, uh, yeah, I, I really love this movie and can't wait for it to come out. I'm right with you there. I, I remember it didn't do so well in the box office, and I think that's because it had to compete with Episode 1, uh, if, if I recall, if I get my movie facts right. But I just remember it was one of the first movies that made me tear up as a kid because the uh, before the Iron Giant, before he uh, uh, smashes into the uh, missile that's about to destroy uh, that small town, I forget where it is, where they're all at, like Indiana or something, but as, as the Iron Giant's about to save the day, he uh, puts out his hand, he closes his eyes, and he just says, Superman, and before he crashes with a missile. And I was like, oh, that's no, that's not fair. You can't say that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, just, it was fantastic. It was really just sparked. It got you yeah. just pulled on your heartstrings right there, you know, because he thought he was Superman saving the day. And, of course, you all know that the Iron Giant really didn't pass away, but uh, it was definitely an emotional experience right there for me. Yeah, I... I wish there were more movies like that. That and Titan A.E. are probably like the two cartoon movies in my childhood that I always go back to and have a strong emotional connection to. I, I loved both of those movies. Iron Giant, definitely. So mm-hmm. I cannot wait for uh, September 30th. We're going to have to... We, we have some plans. Like We're going to be out of town that week, so we're going to have to find out when we can actually go and see the movie because it's going to be like, oh, mm-hmm. we're out of town, so who's going to be able to have that? It's actually not. Well, gonna, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say they're gonna do an encore screening October fourth at twelve o'clock p.m. Oh, that's that's awesome because uh, yeah. I was actually concerned about that. We'll be back on October fourth, so that's perfect. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it's a Fathom event, which uh, I don't know if you've seen that before, but they they do like it's essentially you go to a theater and they stream like some type of event to you. Um, be it like in this case Iron Giant they actually did some stuff for uh, Star Trek The Next Generation when they remastered uh, all of those old episodes and everything so mm-hmm. it, it's that type of event it's not a, a, a wide release it's just a, a special event that only certain theaters will hold so oh is that right yeah I, I've had fun like we uh, I, I went with a friend to like the first second third I think the fourth uh, no it was just the first second and third uh, Star Trek TNG like the complete remaster where they re- like just re uh they they pulled everything from the film and everything and they they uh put it on blu-ray and it looks amazing so Uh yeah 
Yeah, I just hope that Fathom doesn't charge us like 15 bucks just to go watch the movie. I think it's usually like 10 to 15. So, uh, yeah, you're going to be charged 15 bucks for it. I remember. You Can you remember when I used to work at the movie theater? Oh, God, those were great days. Those were really oh, great I days. Uh, I remember one time, we, Fathom Events, they did a... Uh, they showed Meatloaf, uh, the concert "Bad Out of Hell," and uh, a guy <laughs> and a guy came up and he went to buy a ticket. Nobody went to went to see this. I remember because I was work, working projection that day. Nobody came to to see that event. But one guy came up to buy a ticket, and it was fifteen dollars for for a ticket. And he's like, "Man, screw that! For fifteen bucks, I can buy a six pack and listen to Meatloaf in the dark in my house." <laughs> God, that's depressing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> oh, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I I think okay. So I think this event might pull me in because of the sentimental value. But I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you: if I had kids that were like you know around the age I was, so like ten, uh, eleven, or a little bit young, like I guess probably like five to twelve, I would probably take them to it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I thinking about it, like. $15 or I could just wait for it to release on DVD or Blu-ray or iTunes and I could just watch it again or I could just buy it on iTunes right now. I don't know if I would uh, actually go to the theater and watch it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's there. For, it's the experience of seeing it in the big screen. You yeah. Know? I know. It's just uh, <laughs> now I'm really concerned. Like, do I really want to like, I, I really want to see the movie, but I could literally after we finish the podcast, I could go to iTunes, download it and watch it tonight, you know? <laughs> oh, I hear you, man. I the age you. we live in. Mm-hmm. That's why block, oh, Blockbuster doesn't exist, kids. And for the kids that don't know what Blockbuster is, it was a place where you used to have to go record plastic boxes to play your favorite movies. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and you, right. you charged like five bucks a night for that stuff, too, man. It wasn't cheap. Yeah, it was not cheap. It's a little plastic box with movies on it because mm-hmm. you don't That's know what VHSs fun. are. <laughs> um, and speaking of uh, old, and I'm not speaking saying Marissa Tomei is old, but I'm just speaking of a character that we normally recognize as being older, usually in her like 60s or 70s. Um, Marvel has apparently uh, announced Marissa Tomei uh, as Aunt May for the new Spider-Man movie. And it's just dawning on me as I say it, we haven't even talked, talked about Spider-Man being uh, casted in the uh, new movie either, so... Um, but that's something that, oh, yeah. as we're recording, we like that came out today uh, f- uh, from uh, Comic Con news, and I got to be honest, like w- when I read that, I was like, "This is a joke, right? Like this is got to be a joke." Marissa Tomei is not that old. Like Aunt May is like sixty, seventy, and like kind of grandmotherly old, not uh, auntly old. So it just like mm-hmm. caught me. I was like, "No, nah, that's not right. That can't be right." It's like with every new Spider-Man franchise, they're making Aunt May younger and younger. Yeah. And, and the next, next time they reboot the, it, she's going to be in high school with Peter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, so <laughs> Marissa Tomei is 50 years old. Uh, Sally Field was 66 when she played Aunt May in 2012's Amazing Spider-Man. I'm reading this from io9, where we got the article from. Um, and uh, the Aunt May that most of us probably remember, yeah, uh, was it uh, Rosemary Harris, was 75 when she played in, in the first Spider-Man movie in like back in the early 2000s. Is Rosemary Harris still alive? Uh, I don't know, actually. Um, we can find out, I guess. We do have the internet. She's 90 now. Uh, she is 87, and she is still alive and, and thriving, I would hope. Goodness. And, and from the pictures I'm seeing on Google, still able to play Aunt May. And she, she like, yeah, I, I guess uh, they're going with a newer, younger Aunt May. Maybe Aunt May will also uh, be a spider person, and she could, you know, put on the Spider-Man suit as well. I mean, that's <laughs> And that's not, like that's not too far fetched because there are comics with uh, Spider Gwen, where Gwen Stacy is playing Spider Man, and those are some really cool comics, by the way. Yeah, totally. Like the artwork what, alone for them are beautiful. Yeah, if they end up making a movie about Aunt May, her her life prior to getting Peter Parker, I'm gonna just 
dropkick Sony Studios right there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they actually thought about that. You know what everybody wants to see? A movie with Aunt May where she's do- doing spy reconnaissance work. Yes. Actually, that could, could be pretty come. badass. If she was a spy. Like, like we're talking like World War II era spy. Like, uh, oh, God, who was the famous uh, chef? I can't think of her name right now. Anyway. Um, but if like it was like World War II style, uh, behind enemy lines or like spying in France or something, which was behind enemy lines at the time, but, but spying in France, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Julia Child. I, that's, I would... Aunt May as Julia Child. Think, that's what I want. Yeah. I would think she'd have to like run into Red Skull or something to at least give it some ties to the Marvel Universe. That would be perfect. And then she could also run into Haley Atwell's uh, uh, Agent Carter, too. Yeah. What if... Oh, dude, no. It would be so awesome. What if she helps orchestrate Captain America breaking out Bucky Barnes and the Howling Commandos? What if she orchestra- helps Captain America orchestrate all that? Marvel, send us $2 million, and uh, we'll help write the movie for you. Each. $2 million each. We're pretty cheap, I think. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I oh. think that's a great idea. I think we just came up with like what the movie is right there. <laughs> it would be perfect. It would be like a side quilt to Captain America. Yeah, and you get more of Agent Carter. You get the Howling Commandos. You get... Um, uh, was it Michael uh, O'Donnell, I think, or O'Donna, uh, as one of the Howling Commandos from uh, the Agent Carter show? So yeah, I, I'm down for this, like completely. Aunt May okay. as as OSS super spy, uh, breaking out the Howling Commandos and and helping to try to defeat Red Skull and the Nazi Nemesis. Oh, dude, Venice. I tell you what, we yeah, we just we turned out so many ideas for Hollywood, man. I mean, at this point, we should be rolling at least 50 mil. At least, at least. You hear and that? And this is like, we're only like nine episodes in on this thing. Imagine how rich we'll be in a couple weeks. <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, the checks, <laughs> checks just have to, to clear, right? Direct That's deposit. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you had a, you had a note on uh, Goosebumps, right? Oh, yeah. So every 90s kid out there should rejoice because Goosebumps the movie is being made. Um and, it, you know, the 90s TV show is actually pretty creepy for as far as kids' standards go. Yeah. Um, so, but this one, if you take a look at the trailer, which is posted on our show notes, it actually, um, it's not too scary. It's It has a lot, it has the tone of like Night at the Museum, if you ask me. So, and the way it works is that a new kid's going to move into this ne- right next door to R.L. Stein. Uh, the author of the Goosebumps books and, and R.L. Stein's being played by a surprisingly somber Jack Black. And uh, apparently all his creations are kept in a closet or in the basement or somewhere in his house. And so I guess something's going to happen and all those creatures are going to be set free and and they got to round up the creatures before they wreak havoc on the world. Yeah, I so here, here's the thing for me. When I was a kid, like, I remember especially in third and fourth grade, I was the kid that had like three or four Goosebumps books like stuffed in my desk and reading them like as I was uh, like supposed to be like paying attention in class. I did well in school. So like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a a bad kid or anything, but uh, I I don't know. I just uh, I guess I wasn't really expecting a Night of the Museum treatment for Goosebumps. Yeah, I wasn't either. But, you know, I I think it could be good. I think it's I, not by saying I wasn't expecting makes it sound like I'm I'm being downcast or, or expecting this movie to fail. I actually, well, we'll see how the movie works out. I think it could be a really cool idea. I think it's actually a great idea if like where all these weird things happens to uh, Mr. Stein. And, and that's where the idea of his books and everything comes from in the future. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because so. I. I, I remember watching the uh, the TV show and thinking of. Uh, do you remember Tales from the Crypt with the Crypt Keeper? Crypt Keeper. Oh yeah. Thanks. Uh, so I felt like Goosebumps was like the the kid version of that, and I always loved it because the Crypt Keeper. Oh, I cannot say his name. The Crypt Keeper. There we go. Um, when I was a kid, like, and when I say as a kid, I my dad used to watch the show, and I was probably like three or four, and I would mm-hmm. just like 
I, I don't know if he thought I was asleep or whatnot, but I definitely wasn't. I was always freaked out. But, uh, yeah, the Goosebumps was safer because it, it didn't have that weird uh, crypt guy that freaked me out. Yeah, I hear that. And I, I'm pretty. I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm pretty. I'm cautiously optimistic about this. I'm hoping it'll be pretty good. Yeah, I think I, I think it'll be fine. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I, I will. I try to keep an open mind, except for when it comes to DC, uh, but uh, and their movies. But uh, we'll see what happens with this. Yeah, totally, totally. Hopefully, it's not like it doesn't get too like cheesy for kids and stuff. And you know, it's it uh, pays service to the fans while also being a good kids movie. Yeah, if it can do that well, I think it's it's got a chance. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this week, you and I uh, decided to talk about uh, the Terminator and Terminator Judgment Day. And, and we also are going to talk about how, how they're actually, you know, how, how no movie has really been able to live up to those two, uh, to those two movies. Um and it's a little interesting because uh, last week a man at a VW plant in Germany was killed, and Sarah O'Connor tweeted out that uh, the uh, that he was killed by a machine. And as everything happens in our our world today, um, social media freaked out. <laughs> and Sarah O'Connor's quote uh, tweet was, "quote A robot was killed. Uh, a robot has killed a worker in a VW plant in Germany." And she tweeted out the link to it. And a lot of people responded. It was like, uh, at Sarah O'Connor, you're our only hope now. Resistance fully supports you as our leader. And please, Sarah O'Connor, take care of John Connor. He is our only hope now. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, another one was, Skynet is close. Run, Sarah, run. <laughs> and she was the funny thing is, she was so oblivious to the, what was going on because she'd never seen the movies. Yeah, she 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 responds like, "Okay, I I should have thought about my name and its association before tweeting this, but I've never watched the movies. Now my feed is full of full of people tweeting me about Skynet." <laughs> She's like, "I don't know what Skynet is. I wouldn't follow. And if you know what it is, I wouldn't follow me." <laughs> and then finally, she uh uh. She tweeted out, and this is actually a bit somber, mo- somber note, considering that a guy did die. But uh, she was like feeling un- uncomfortable about this inadvertent Twitter thing. I seem ha- seem to have really kicked kicked off. Uh, somebody died. Let's not forget, which is true. Somebody did die, and it's it's a it's a tragic event. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you know, social media just went crazy on it. But uh, I thought it was uh, yeah, it was a little interesting uh, social media sandstorm that kicked up just around the time we were talking about this. Um, so the condolences to that to that person's family, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry for having some laughter at their death. Yeah, but hey, I mean, if I go out, I I at least want to bring some smiles to people's faces. So hopefully, yeah, there their you family. go. <laughs> maybe, so. maybe he's got that type of attitude, or yeah. you know, he might have your attitude where you're expecting the artificial intelligence or Skynet to take over the world, and his last words were like, "See, I told you, God." I can't believe I just said that. Oh, <laughs> I might cut that out. Actually, that's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, that's I'm cutting that out. That's horrible. That is horrible. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I'm good. I'm good. But yeah, seriously, like. Anyway, I'm just gonna skip along from there. So now that we've gotten that out of the way. Uh, Dan, are you nerding out on anything this week? Well, yeah. Um, and for our listeners out there, we I'm still working on Arkham Knight. So that's literally, besides doing nerding casually and taking care of my kid, this Arkham Knight's taken up every single minute of my free time. So um, in, so for me, for, for me nerding out this week, I've actually been at work. Uh, I was... Uh, I, I typically listen to Pandora when I'm at work, when I'm at my desk doing stuff because it helps the day go by. But for some reason, my Pandora has been down and I haven't been able to access it. So I logged onto my YouTube and I have a, I made a playlist of songs to listen to at work and I started adding to that playlist. 
And uh, I started out like some of today's stuff, you know, some Jason Derulo and things like that. Uh, you know, just just songs that aren't too like macabre or whatever, too too uh, uh, too vulgar for you know other my coworkers to be listening to. Like so, you know, pop music, top forty stuff. So Jason Derulo and Bruno Mars and some other people. But then I got into like. I started getting deeper into making the playlist and I started putting like 311 and Simple Plan and Good Charlotte. And I'm like, hey, these are people I listened to in high school. I go further. I'm doing Yellow Card. I'm doing uh, Godsmack, Raging Against the Machine and all this. I'm like, man, these are songs I I listened to in high school. So I've been listening and it's just been taking me back to those awkward high school years that, uh, that, you know, were were so, uh, you know, it's... I just can't believe I've almost been out of high school for 10 years now. And it's just, it's amazing to think, to listen to these songs and think about the memories that, uh, that they bring up from when I was in high school. So that's in, in a sentimental way. That's what I've been earning out on this week is, is old music that I used to listen to in high school. Nice. Now I do have a question for you. Do you happen to have, mm-hmm. uh, uh, any Metallica in there? Oh yeah, because you burned me the black album. Well, yeah. uh, I mean, <laughs> you gave me the black album. Yeah, I, for, I burned you your copy of the black album so you could have a personal archive. That's what I did. That's right. That's right. That's what it was. It was a because you archive. didn't have a burner at the time, so I was like, "Well, I'll archive this for you because you need to have an archive and just just in case something happens, just in case, just in case, <laughs> <laughs> just in case uh, Skynet takes over or something like that." <laughs> that's right. Uh, Sorry, James Hatfield. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of music, I've actually been nerding out in the same as well. As everyone probably knows, I am a uh, I'm definitely an Apple fanboy. Um, so I definitely uh, started listening to the Apple Music this week, and I'm not going to go into depth on like, oh, well, this is the greatness about the uh, the Apple Music over Spotify. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to talk about is Beats One. And I'm saying that because I actually forgot how much I love to listen to the radio when the radio actually did radio that it did 15, 20 years ago, where they talked about music and they they introduced new things to me. And I have to be honest, I've been listening to things that I would not have thought I would ever listen to and really enjoyed and have added to my music collection. So that's what I've been nerding out on is just listening to new music and listening to the radio and listening to people talk about people who are passionate about it, talk about it and and give that experience to me. So that's that's something that I've really been enjoying doing this week. Oh, that's awesome. So is this like a free service through Apple or do you have to pay for it? Yeah, so Beats 1 is their free service. Um, and then there's currently a 90-day a free trial for Apple Music. Um, and essentially it's, it's very similar to Spotify where you can uh, add music to your personal collection um, and play it, set it to play offline if you want to, or you can uh, listen to it on the go and stream it over your... your you know, LTE or your data signal through your cell phone, cell phone provider. So, yeah. Well, that's way cool. Yeah. I think it's a, it's $10 a month once the uh, free trial goes off, but it's the same price as Spotify. Uh, but the, the music, uh, the beats one, which is their radio station, essentially. Um, that's, uh, that's free for everybody. Gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> Awesome. So, uh, for the reason why we're all here today, um, our main topic, and that is the Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yes. Uh, we're not going to go into the plot because both movies are almost 30 years old at this point, so you should have seen it. Um, <laughs> Shame on it, you if you haven't. Thank you, because that's exactly what I was about to say. If you haven't, you're a horrible person. Um, and you're the reason why Skynet will take over one day. Um <laughs> That being said, uh, so I, I guess, you know, we're not going to the plot, but I do want to say that personally, I really enjoyed the Terminator as a movie much better than I enjoyed Terminator 2. And I think it's because the Terminator was much more of a thriller movie where mm-hmm. you had Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator tracking down Sarah Connor and her, uh, her, I was... Uh, doing time travel is always weird uh her future son's father uh tracking her down as well to protect her and i like mm-hmm. that treatment in the movie um because you, you it, it really felt like a thriller because from her perspective 
the guy that she runs into first, Kyle Reese, um, is her son's father, but she doesn't know that. All she knows is that there's this guy tracking through the phone book, looking for Sarah Connors and killing them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it makes it makes for a really good movie, and it it doesn't rely on fight scenes way too much. It does rely on shooting and whatnot, but. It's just a slow, methodical movie that I, I really liked, and it's it's made me think about all the movies that have come out, Terminator and otherwise, that have come out since then, and how much faster movies are these days, and how sometimes movies have, got, like, for me, I think movies have gotten too fast, you know, because mm-hmm. Terminator is, you know, it lays everything out for you, and it's clear, but it doesn't beat your head with it. It's just, hey, look at the situation going on. I mean, like, like the uh, the siege at the uh, the police uh, police station. I think that scene was like five to seven minutes, and there was a lot that went on, but it wasn't like bang, 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 bang. It was like a few people are are shot or killed here, here, and then a little bit further on. Um, it was really slow and and well thought out, and I really I really liked that. And I think the the Terminator Two Judgment Day provides a, a really interesting contrast to that where everything um it was sped up a little bit but uh there was way more action in that movie that i felt like was more uh it was more obvious for its time where you would have an action movie in the early 90s and everything blows up because why not we have the money for it and we like to blow things up and we like to we really like die hard so uh let's make more of that and i, I think i think that's uh that's where uh, that's why I like the Terminator a bit better because it is that slow thriller movie, and Terminator Two is more of an action diehard style movie. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, so you know what's cool? I was just looking on the Chive, and ironically, they posted twenty three facts about the Terminator. So I was just scrolling through those while you were talking, and there and one of the cool things about the Terminator, um, besides, as you said, it's a, it's more of a thriller and less of an action flick. Um, as compared to Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And I was thinking about the uh, how the um, the lighting of the movie and um, how, how kind of cool the the Terminator, the lighting is in Terminator. It's mostly set at night and stuff. And, and this fact came along. It said that um, James Cameron shot most of the scenes of Terminator at night with streets that had mercury vapor lamps that helped to keep the filming costs low. This later gave the film its neo-noir look, which I thought was pretty cool because now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that is a pretty much a neo-noir kind of, you know, look to it as you watch the movie. And it is kind of a really cool artistic, uh, artistic, uh, aesthetic to put into it. That's, that's awesome. I never really noticed it until it was called out, but yeah, every, most of the scenes in that movie are at night. I, I hadn't thought of that until now. Yeah. You hear that? I think that's your mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, as the uh picture of the I'm looking at the, like the Terminator smiling and in flames picture right now. <laughs> Excuse me. I had to uh had a coughing fit. But yeah, so, I I mean this movie Okay, one thing I will say, Terminator 2 uh Terminator 2 was when it comes down to it like everything was done better. It was like, you know, the makeup was better. The the action was better. The the stunt doubles were essentially were better. There were a few scenes where it's like you looked at it like, well, that's obviously a dummy at that point. It's not even a person. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so that's a thing. But when it comes down to it, Terminator Two was not stylistically, but technically, a better film, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It was. The thing is though, like the Terminator. It did kick, like, it kicked off James Cameron's career. Mm-hmm. That was his first movie. But, excuse me. But, uh, I don't know, there's just something about that movie that just, it it sticks out to me a lot more than, maybe it's the darkness and everything, it sticks out to me a lot more than uh, Terminator 2 does. Well, and I think it's like you said, Ken, it's, it's the whole... Uh, there's a, a cyborg from, well, not a cyborg, but an actual robot from the future that's being tracked down to kill Sarah Connor. And Kyle Reese comes to protect her and, and to, you know, make sure that John Connor is still able to be born. And so it's more of, um, you know, 
Terminator 2 kind of uses the same plot device, except instead of Kyle Reese, it's the T-800 protecting uh, protecting John Connor. Yeah. So ter- the Terminator, when you see that and, and you see it for the first time and it's such a fresh new um, new kind of perspective and a new way to look at a movie, it kind of gives that, that upper hand above Judgment Day. Uh, and, and But like you, Ken, I do agree that Judgment Day was better with the special effects and everything. And I just got to say that the special effects for the T-1000 – I mean, the scene where the T-1000 walks through prison bars looks more realistic in 1990 than some CGI stuff looks today. I mean, yeah. plain and simple. No, I completely it, agree with that. And, and yeah. after just seeing... Uh, oh, there's thunder in the background. And after just seeing Genesis, excuse me. After just seeing Genesis, uh, I gotta be honest, like the liquid metal effect has not improved that much over the last 20 years. I mean, it, it really looks the same. Um it's it's got less of a sheen to it which again that's probably that's because you can add more detail but when it comes down to it and probably part of it's probably because liquid is really water and liquid are really the hardest things to to emulate when it comes to cgi but it it has not changed that much over over the time it really has but i think the other thing um for me again technically terminator is a inferior movie to terminator 2 judgment day but Terminator, like, didn't rely on the effects as much. It was a storytelling movie. Not to say mm-hmm. that Terminator 2 wasn't, but Terminator 2 definitely had some scenes that relied more on the, oh, wow, that's really awesome. Like, Robert Patrick's head just got split half open or, you know, mm. his arm just turned into this knife thing that just, like, goes through somebody's head. Like, yeah. those are cool effects, but I, I feel like that kind of took out took away from the movie a little bit. Yeah. You know? I think it, yeah. I, you know, Terminator, the first one, really just kind of introduced, <clears throat> uh, just really introduced the characters and introduced the story. It told a story. But then Terminator 2 Judgment Day really kind of opened up that world uh, where we were able to see, you know, more of Skynet's presence uh, and and uh, really just, just see their hand and, and the destruction that they're capable of doing with their prototypes and their inventions, that flying drone. I mean, it was just really cool to kind of see the expansion of that universe in Terminator 2. Yeah, I, I did like the expansion. Though, again, I I feel like I'm really harping on Terminator 2 right now. I don't mean to, but another that was another thing for me. It was like I felt like it kind of over-relied on the Terminator. And I'm saying this as after I just watched the Terminator and then going into Terminator 2 because I, I did watch the two back-to-back when I watched them. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I had like a couple hours in between. But anyways, uh, I, I feel like Terminator mm-hmm. 2 relied on people knowing the full story behind the Terminator. Which, first of all, like whenever you're writing a sequel, I, I think that's a bad idea just to, to expect people to know that full story. I, I know you don't want to like rehash the whole story, but... I, I just felt like there was a little bit of a reliance of, oh, yeah, you know all this, so we're not going to go too in-depth on it. Like, I don't want to – I feel like in doing that, they went a little too much on the the technicals of how time travel works in the movie and how liquid metal works in the movie and how, how certain aspects work in the movie that, and honestly, I don't really care about um, mm-hmm. and aren't necessary for the story when it comes down to it just because – those are just plot devices to get the characters to where they are now. You know? Yeah. I can see that. Um, that being said, yeah. okay, I, let me let me be nice to Terminator 2. There were a <laughs> lot of iconic scenes. Um, mm. For me, probably the most iconic scene is when you have Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, Terminator T-800 going into the, uh, the, the pool of... of, of liquid steel and just giving the thumbs up as he's going down you know <laughs> i mean that's that's yeah. a really badass scene that and uh and 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 just i'm blanking on it right now uh him flipping the shotgun around and just shooting things like that's that's what i was gonna say you took that oh. <laughs> i'm sorry man you, you can you can of... talk on it talk on it uh, I was gonna say, yeah, that's what i think of when i think of terminator 2 is arnold schwarzenegger on the on the motorcycle with that shotgun and just, I mean, just swinging it around and shooting things. I mean, that's just just brings such pleasant memories to <laughs> brings a smile to my face. Another scene is uh, near the end of uh, 
right right when Linda Hamilton's uh, Sarah Connor runs out of ammunition as she's shooting up Robert Patrick and he reforms as best he can in his current state and he just looks at her and just like wags his finger no like I don't remember seeing that as a kid but like as an adult that's like one of the scariest moments like if I putting myself in Sarah Connor's shoes I like that I would be freaked out at that moment because it's like well I have nothing left I literally have nothing left you oh, know? I know, right? And then, yeah. and then the T eight hundred just slides up over the uh, the gears and reveals himself with a uh, grenade launcher. It's like get down. <laughs> <laughs> I and it was really cool. I mean, like, so in in defense of Terminator two, it really kind of defined the whole pro- the 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 protection the the protector and the protect e film genre you know where especially when it comes to kids because usually when you have an adult protecting a kid that's going to be like a kid's movie you know that's going to be like that's going to be your treasure island or something like that yeah uh but judgment day it was a hard rated r movie with a 13 year old as john connor playing a 10 year old john connor uh, or no i think it was supposed to be 11 years old at the time but it was kind of unprecedented for a movie to have a kid that young in it to be that graphic that violent and that extreme and so that's what i really like about the terminator is that it, it was not really even though it had a kid in it it wasn't a kid's flick yeah i mean with john connor i mean he definitely he he was the age of a kid but that kid was uh he he went through a lot of growing up especially with uh sarah i mean essentially she abused him like if if we didn't know the backstory, that would have been a, a story of abuse. The way she uh, she she essentially trained him to be a, a military leader in in his his future age, but uh, mm-hmm. he he's seen some stuff. Uh, to to just be quite frank about it, and that kid just going around shooting off f bombs like like <laughs> being as crass as as possible. Like it's uh, it's actually pretty. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting. Just like hearing him called a kid and then just like seeing the entire movie was like aside from his voice he, he doesn't like he doesn't act like a kid because there are scenes where he's taking care of his mother you know um yeah i definitely like i i like that point of the story and i while i i'm not a big fan of like the young kids in the movie i i think that uh john connor was the right age for this movie like it was mm-hmm. like what you said 13 i think yeah, he, he was supposed to be 11 in the movie, but the actor was 13 years old. Okay. I mean, any any kid that was, like, younger than that, it would have been just absurd. Um, right. So, yeah, that was a good age. 11, probably even, like, if they had gone, like, a, as a teenager, it probably would have been a little bit better, but oh well. Yeah. You, do, you, yeah. you do what you got to do, I, you know. I think an, another thing I did like about, about Terminator 2 that was better than Terminator, and again, I think this is part of... One, the storytelling, and two, the time that it came out. Because remember, the Terminator came out in 1984. Terminator 2 mm-hmm. came out in 1991, uh, so you had a seven-year split. Um, the movie starts off, well, the quote-unquote present day, 1991 starts off. You see Sarah Connor in a uh, mental asylum, and she's, like, working out getting buff. And mm-hmm. we have we as the audience with, you know, knowing the backstory of the Terminator, know why she's doing this. She's, you know, she's staying fit, so when this happens again, when somebody's sent back to kill her or John Connor, you know, she can be ready for it. Um, but I like that about Sarah Connor and most movies, especially, you know, early nineties, eighties, the woman usually plays a, a damsel role. That was not the case with Sarah Connor in 1991. And near the end of the 84 movie that was uh, of the Terminator, that wasn't Sarah Connor. She became, the heroine of the movie um and she was definitely a heroine in the movie and uh, of judgment day because she she shot guns she she fought back she uh made she made sure her son stayed alive and i just i really like that about the movie and I, I think that actually translates pretty well into terminator genesis i won't spoil anything for you guys who haven't seen it um but i think that sarah connor definitely uh, translates well into today's world as well where you have a strong woman character who is not afraid to go toe to toe with uh, a man or a cyborg who is definitely more powerful than her. 
And I really like that about Terminator 2. Yeah, I mean, if I always, when I watch Terminator 2, I, I try to put myself in the shoes of Sarah Connor. I'm like, you know what? I would definitely would not last as long as Sarah Connor does. I mean, plain and simple. I'm just, uh, she's smart. She knows, uh, she's been trained in how to deal with these machines. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and yeah, I just, I, I try to think of myself in her shoes, and there's no way I would have lasted as long as she did. Yeah, even John Connor's shoes, like as a kid when I watched it, I was like, I don't, I like, even as a kid, I was like, I could never be like that, like that, like, and survive that long. I, I know I would be dead. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, one of the, one of the cool things about Terminator 2 as well, um, having the whole kid and, and the mother and son dynamic is also, to, uh, if you think about it, the T-800, the only reason why he doesn't kill in this movie is because John Connor tells him not to, which yeah. I think is the coolest thing because... You have Arnold Schwarzenegger, the T-800, who, which is designed to kill, but it won't do it because John Connor said, hey, don't kill anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think that, that – I think that added to the movie and that uh, Arnold's character had that, that limit. And I, I, I watched – I don't know if you saw the uh, Honest Movie trailers for Terminator 2 or actually the Terminator franchise. Which no, was really just for the Terminator and Terminator Two, um, but they made a comment about uh, in in Judgment Day, like you have Arnold just like blowing up these cars and seeing the the casualty count at zero point zero, and I thought that was that was that was interesting just because he had that limit on himself and completely obeyed it. Like, yeah, things blew up, but nobody died in those scenes, and and. I just that is like like you said is a, a pretty powerful thing for an action movie because usually uh, a lot of people die. I mean, if, if you look at the original Terminator, I mean, the T eight hundred killed a lot of people in that movie. Mm-hmm. And you go to this movie, it's it's like, oh yeah, it's not going to kill as much. I I'm trying to think of, I don't think he killed any civilians that weren't like actively attacking him yeah. or any at all, right? I don't think so. No. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, that's just interesting. I, I, wow, that it just dawned on me as you said that. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, but you know, you gotta think about it though. He's blowing up cars in Terminator Two, and it's a miracle that these people just didn't die. <laughs> yeah, they they survived by like the skin of their teeth, but they survived. Yeah. They were they were part of that zero point zero casualty count. Yeah, which I guess the question is like, what's a point five casualty? Is that like a somebody's like severely maimed or or what? They get half their bodies dead. Okay, okay. The doctor comes out and, uh, ma'am, your son's going to be all right. Oh, that's so good to hear. Thank you. No, 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> You're taking this news very well for somebody whose son just lost half their entire body. What? <laughs> <laughs> no grandchildren for you. That's right. So. So, yeah. I, I Okay, now that, I mean, we, we, we've geeked out enough on, on those two movies, like, Again, we're not going into the plot, so just if you don't want to watch the movies, which I recommend that you do, because mm-hmm. they are movies of their time. You know, Terminator is very, it's very of a, a thriller style movie that you got in the 80s, and Terminator 2 is really the beginning of the action films um, that kicked off the 90s, but it, it part of that diehard generation as well. Um, and that, you know, it's a straight up action movie, like. There's mm-hmm. not that much. There's a little like, oh, will they die here? Will they not die here? But that happens in any action movie. Um, mm-hmm. Again, they're each each stories of their own time. Now that we know that, you posed a good question to me, Dan, and that is why is it so hard that every Terminator movie after this, why is it so hard to make a good Terminator movie after Judgment Day? Yeah. And so I'm going to get on my soapbox here a little bit. So right. um, it's just, it's really, it's something simple and it's something funny. I, each Terminator movie that's come out has not been able to capture the same sort of feeling and the same sort of nostalgia as Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 have. So the, the first, the, since Terminator 2, there have been three sequels. You've had Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, that came out in 2003. You had Terminator Salvation come out in 2009, 
And then recently, last Friday, you had Terminator Genesis come out. And each of these films has not been able... Terminator uh, T3 had a very strong box office showing and uh, because it had a lot of a lot of people went in there expecting great things from it. Terminator Salvation also had a it had a decent box office return. And uh, but as we discussed in our last podcast, Terminator Genesis in its opening weekend didn't even do perform as well as Terminator Salvation did, which is really saying something, especially with Arnold Schwarzenegger returning to the franchise. And we talked a little bit about maybe some of the things that went wrong with with the marketing for Terminator Genesis. But I want to pose a couple ideas as to what can make a really good Terminator sequel. And the first thing that I'm going to say is that to, to, uh, to make a really good Terminator sequel, set the movie in 2029. And plain and simple, we've seen, <clears throat> we've seen the, war, the, the War of the Machines, we've seen that teased in both Terminator and Terminator 2 several times. And we just see this dark Los Angeles. We see it's completely taken over by the machines. And it's a really dark and bleak time for humanity. Terminator Salvation kind of touched on that just a little bit with the, with the Terminators taking over Los Angeles. But Terminator Salvation was set in 2018. So we don't get to see that war. Um, we see in Terminator 3, that movie set in 2004. And the thing about Terminator 3 is it, all it did was show is that you can put, postpone Judgment Day, but it's still going to happen. So we know that Skynet sucks at their job. We know that uh, that the Terminators in the future, they're, they also suck at their job. After the T-1000 came to kill John Connor in Terminator 2, and then subsequently we had the, T, the TX come in Terminator 3 to take out John Connor's wife. I mean, these, these Terminators, they keep coming back from the future. However, they, they can't do their job as long as a T-800 is out there to protect these people. So that poses the question, Either send the t- send all these machines back to kill Sarah Connor as a baby, or just forget it, forget it, forget it at all. Because if one thing that if it's one thing that we learned from Interstellar, it's that you can't change the past. And I know that that's a little different in the Terminator timeline, in the science of the Terminator. But I'm going to go with Christopher Nolan on this one, since uh, he has a lot of notable theorists, uh, physicists, and theoretical physicists backing him up, and just say you can't change the past. So you're not if you just the 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 um, the machines just have to realize that as long as John Connor's there, that means they're never going to be able to kill Sarah Connor before she before John Connor was born. So just forget that whole dynamic of the of the franchise. A really good Terminator sequel, like I said, it will be set in 2029, so that we can actually see what this war is like. Uh, just as a side note, we uh, with the first several Terminator movies talking about how to stop the war in 2029 from happening. Um, we can just take a page out of the book from Avengers age of Ultron that, you know, when Tony Stark tried, he created, uh, he created Ultron to save his friends and teammates from being killed. And we can see how that backfired heavily against him and almost cost him his friends that he was trying to protect and almost cost them their lives. So John Connor, he may have some pages of the playbook in the future because uh, his mom learned a lot of things from Kyle Reese, which she in turn passed down to him. So John Connor may know what's going on and what's going to happen in the future. But we just, like I said, we know that you can't change the past. So, <clears throat> so we just got to keep, you know, keep fighting to change to, uh, so that when for John Connor, if I was John Connor and listening and taking these training tips from my mom, I just live every day preparing for that war in 2029 so that I know what to do. And I know how to get in and stop Skynet from taking over the human and killing all the human race once and for all. And so this is what I want to do. I want to, I want, as, as I've said many times already, this movie needs to take place in Terminator in, uh, in 2029 in Los Angeles. And it needs to show the resistance fighting the machines needs to show a lot of casualties. This needs to be a full-on urban war movie because, as we discussed earlier, Ken, the, 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 what made the original Terminator so great is that it was really a new twist and a new dynamic on the, the, on the thriller concept. It wasn't necessarily an action movie, but it, it gave a new... It, was a, it, 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 was, uh, it, it gave a, a, new, um, an, a new way to look at action movies and especially our movies that uh, they weren't all about killing and, and explosions and things like that, but about protecting and 
and uh, things like that. And so that it was really revolutionary. The Terminator, as we said, is really a revolutionary movie for its day. And so this could be a really, the new Terminator sequel could be really revolutionary as well in that we stop trying to prevent Skynet. We stop trying to prevent the war from happening and we just let it happen. And we go in there and we just try to do our best. The resistance tries to do their best to stop any, any further human casualties. So, uh, and it would be really awesome to see just a bunch of humans and machines going toe to toe. And Terminator Salvation gave us a little taste of this, but not the potential that this new Terminator movie could have. If you could just imagine a bunch of T-800s, a bunch of TXs, T-1000s, just going to war against humans and humans just fabricating, almost like, if you will, like Mad Max meets Terminator. And I think that would be a really cool uh, twist on it where and it would be just a huge, huge war that ends up with John Connor taking his band of resistance fighters to go infiltrate Skynet. And to ultimately, for John Connor to give his life to, to stop Skynet there once and for all and to blow up Skynet to stop all the machines from, from wreaking further destruction. Because we know that Skynet sucks at their job, that, that Judgment Day is going to happen. We can't prevent Judgment Day. We can't prevent the machines from becoming sentient and, and doing, all these, doing all these atrocious acts. So like I said, as I've been saying for the past couple minutes, we have to stop the only chance of beating the machines is in 2029 in that war. So we, so that that movie could be the ultimate war movie with humans versus machines in a Mad Max style kind of way. And uh, John Connor would literally fulfill his prophecy, especially if he went in and sacrificed himself just so that Skynet would blow up and once and for all put the nail in the coffin to bury these machines so that the human race could start over. And so that's what I kind of think that the new movie could be. And you would have to make it rated R because I could imagine some sweet deaths, some sweet on-screen deaths, a little gory. Uh, I can imagine some sweet action scenes. And honestly, if I was to direct this movie, I would ask for a smaller budget because I would want to get back to the practical effects that James Cameron used in the first two Terminator movies. And I understand that a lot of cool things could be done with CGI, especially with the, uh, the T-800s and the T-1000s and stuff. But I would rely on practical effects as much as I could for this movie. You know, kind of what J.J. Abrams is doing with the new Star Wars movie. And just insert spe CGI special effects when I felt was necessary. So it would give it more of a nostalgic kind of feel, but also give it just this total... Nobody's seen a movie where humans and machines have been going at... Like, they literally just fight each other to the death. So that could be... It could totally be a new twist on the action franchise... And it would steer away from the, the action-adventure thing that the past couple Terminators have been. And like I said, put a whole new spin on the franchise and probably ignite that passion that a, that a lot of original Terminator fanboys have had but have since lost because of mediocre sequels that can't live up to the names of the first two. So those are kind of my thoughts on it in a long-winded way, Ken. I don't know if uh, you have any thoughts that, or any things that you want to add or take away from that. Uh, so first thing... One, James Cameron, Dan, is uh, ready to take your phone call. We know you get the rights yeah. back in 2019, so uh, just hit him up as soon as you get those rights back. Uh, all I ask is that you know you, you pay for the uh, the site. That's it from me. But, Dan, you uh, James Cameron, you owe Dan a lot of money. He just saved your sequel <laughs> right there, um, your, your franchise. Uh, second of all, most importantly, though, um, I require that every Terminator movie – have a scene where some type of Terminator, probably the T eight hundred, um, but the T eight hundred and the uh, just the the endoskeleton. I don't really care about the uh, like the Arnold looking. I need to have uh, some type of footage of the the endoskeleton uh, crushing a couple of human skulls because that's required for every Terminator movie. You have to do it. That's very true. Was that in Terminator Genesis? Um, I think it was. Yeah, it was in the beginning. Um, which Genesis was. After rewatching the Terminator, Genesis took a lot from that movie, um, which I think maybe that's why I enjoyed it uh, more than most people do, or most people mm -hmm. have. But I don't know. Whatever. That's uh, that's that's my own thing. Um, Dan, I think you nailed it. I I was thinking of you know how would I do a Terminator style movie, and everything I thought of was pre twenty twenty nine, and I think you're right. You just at this point. Just drop it into 2029. I would say, just like you said, do a war movie. Don't do an action adventure. Just do a war movie where you are you have an objective and you're trying to get to that object objective and you're trying to, to beat the enemy. And I think that would solve it once and for all. I mean, yeah, it sucks that at that point, you know, 
over you know four mil- four billion people have died, but mm-hmm. that's the future that they live in, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. let's let's go from there and and see if we can save the rest of humanity and and you know kick Skynet's ass. Um, yeah, I think it's still possible to do that movie with. Um, with the uh, with Genesis and and them going forward, but I don't know if uh, that's actually going to happen. Like I said, 2019 James Cameron hit up Dan because he he will be ready to take your money and help save the <laughs> franchise. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I got so many ideas for Hollywood. Like, I I just I just wish that I knew somebody in Hollywood where I could become a screenwriter because I could totally totally just. I would love to do this <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah, hopefully they'll maybe maybe that's that should be like the new thing of the podcast. We're not ta- we're not reviewing movies. We're just uh, we're just uh, we're uh, shooting out new movie ideas every week. Maybe we should do that, <laughs> or that that should just be its own podcast. So we've got that's nerding right. casually, and we've got uh, casual movies with uh, Dan and Ken. That's right. <laughs> How to make better movies? Yes. Um, I honestly, like I said, I, I thought of things that I could, you know, have a, uh, make a quality sequel to compete with yours. However, I know when I have been defeated and I will bow down to your supremacy. Like I said, James Cameron, <laughs> all I need is money to like cover the, uh, the server fees, but just give all the rest of that money to Dan. Seriously. Like he deserves at <laughs> least 50 million cold. Thanks bud. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Uh, yeah, I I really can't add to that, man. That was make a war film. That's 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 it. Make a war film, like Dan said, and you're good. I've repeated that three or four times, and I've repeated it because it's a great idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, now that we we've talked about those movies, I'm gonna ask you to choose one of two movies, and I'm not going to include Genesis, I'm not because I know you haven't seen it, I'm not going to include T3, and I'm not including Salvation. Um, so, Dan, choose one. The Terminator, or Terminator 2, Judgment Day. I think for, for nostalgia's sake, I'm going to have to do Judgment Day, and that's only because I saw the movies backwards. I saw Terminator 2 first before I saw The Terminator, and that was because I rode the Terminator ride at Universal Studios, which takes place during the events of Terminator 2. So I watched, I did the Terminator ride, then I watched Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which was, so when you when you watch it out of order like that, and I watched Terminator the first time, I was really confused why the T-800 was killing people in the first movie. I, thought, <laughs> I was like, isn't this guy the good guy? <laughs> so, but for me, it's Terminator 2. So... After all of my trashing earlier in the movie or in the podcast, um, I'm actually going to su- probably surprise some people and say that I agree with you completely. Um, I really love The Terminator. It was a great movie. It was a thriller. However, Terminator 2, again, like you said, is for me is nostalgic because I did see that movie first. But being that I saw it first isn't the reason why I, I, I would choose that one over the Terminator. I'm choosing that one over the Terminator because a couple of reasons. One, Sarah Connor is a badass in that movie. And, you know, I, I just a movie with a strong, like, badass woman. Okay, yeah, sign me up. I'm there. Um, and two, like, the movie was, and I know I just spent, you know, 10, 20 minutes uh, trashing, like, oh, yeah, movies, uh, action movies are way over the top. But it was a good action movie. It still had thought behind it. It it went places and it it you know it it, it challenged the characters and I liked that and it, it was fun and I got to see things blow up and you know as a as a red blood American I I love seeing things blow up. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes down to it, I would definitely take a Terminator Two Judgment Day over the Terminator. Um, not even begrudgingly, I just I know that if I'm stuck on a desert island somewhere. I don't want to watch the same thriller over and over because, like, at some point it's going to get old. But uh, I'll, of course, love seeing things blow up from time to time. Very true. Very true. So, All right. Well, yeah. Uh, that comes. Oh, I've got one more thing for you if you're ready. Mm. Um, we both chose The Terminator 2, um, so I'm not going to ask you rent, buy, or watch. I will ask you for The Terminator, though. Um, 
Final question. Would you rent it, buy it, or watch it again? Well, I do need to get the the uh, Terminator franchise because, as you know, Ken, I'm a collector. I love to have uh, collections and franchises, and and I feel like the Terminator franchise is such a pinnacle part of any moviegoer's collection. And because, like you said, it really defined, it really paved the way for the action movies of the '90s. And so, I would definitely buy Terminator, buy Terminator Two. Um, just because it's not only just uh, found, it's not only just cinema that laid that laid paved the way for a lot of action movies to come to us, but it's also just great cinema altogether. Awesome. What about Terminator? Same, same, same reasons and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would. Uh, so I rented it to watch it um, for the podcast. I would say that I definitely would buy and will buy. Uh, the Terminator and the Terminator 2 Judgment Day um, for my collection. I don't know about T3 or Salvation. Um, I could skip those two movies and buy Genesis. So just as a, a alert for everybody out there. Um, so yeah, I, those are those are buy-its for me. Um, I think we should... Yeah. I, I was just thinking about this. So we probably should keep, keep a, a tracker of... Uh, what we'd rent, buy, or watch again, or never watch again, um, some point on the some somewhere on the website, so people can just like take a look at that. But yeah, for me, Terminator, Terminator Two, and Terminator Genesis, I will definitely buy. Everything else, I'll never watch it again. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna say we need to start reviewing bad movies too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did talk about Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I we both wanted that movie to do well. But it was not a good movie. Very true. Very true. <laughs> well, next we'll do. Uh, we can we can review like I don't know. Uh, we can review Battlefield Earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! There's so we might need two episodes for that one. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that wraps up the movie. Uh, so, you know, just as we did last week, I, I do want to. Like as Dan asked for last week, do you want to reach out for everybody? We want to get your feedback for the show. We want to get your feedback for our conversation about the podcast or our conversation on this podcast. So we talked uh, in, in this case Terminator and Terminator Two, and the entire franchise. We want to hear what you think. So uh, um, be sure to you know to type your comments on the website, and you know you can put comments on our feeds on Facebook and and Twitter as well. That's at Speak Casually on Facebook. You can find me at Kenji, K-E-N-G-E, on, uh, oh, well, at Kenji on Facebook and at Speak Casually on Twitter. Um, Dan, where can people find you? Um, so I I need to get back on Twitter. <laughs> I deleted my Twitter a little bit ago, but um, for, but I'll, I'll um, reactivate it. I think I'm the Danimal06 on Twitter, but I'll have to double check and get back with you guys next episode. But you'll know it's me because I only have like five followers on Twitter. I'm that great in life. But uh, apart from that, I'm on Facebook and I do post funny things on Facebook, things to brighten your day. Uh, so you can find me Facebook, Dan Brixis. Uh, I'm like the only Dan Brixis, B-R-I-X-I-U-S, the only Dan Brixis on Facebook. So ch- you'll chances are you'll find me by looking me up that way. So Awesome. And uh, what I'll do is I... I will go ahead and create a, a Gmail account so you guys can actually email me um, with your comments there, and I'll post the, uh, that information in the show notes. I will also create a uh, – actually, I'm not going to create anything for this. I'm going to request that you guys, if you want, you can also send us an audio track. Keep it under a minute and just put your thoughts in there as well. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think about what we talked about or just something that you think that we should see or watch or something that you thought we completely got wrong or something we didn't even mention in our podcast in the past. Uh, we, we definitely look forward to hearing that information because uh, uh, we want to make things better. We want to make it more interactive for you guys and gals out there. So uh, please, please give us all your feedbacks. Yep. And don't be shy. Whatever you got to say, just get it off your chest. If it's mean, if it's nice, whatever, we're, we're open for anything. Yeah. Um, do you mind saying that again? Cause you, uh, you had, I think, uh, you, 
may want to check behind your back before you say it again, but it sounds like a Terminator may have just dropped dropped into your room. So first check your back and then say what you said again. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, I, any commentary, we're welcome. If it's mean, if it's nice, whatever, just uh, be honest with us and, and uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely, because this only gets better with your input, because if not, it's just an echo chamber, and at that point, you know, I'm having fun, I'm, I'm sure Dan's having fun, but, you know, we want to make sure the listeners and you guys out there are having fun, too. Oh, yeah, it's definitely great. I look forward to this every week, man. Me too, man. All right, and on that note, everybody have a great day. Yep, we'll see you next week. All right. This episode of Nerding Casually was recorded at Glenmore Station in Raleigh, North Carolina. And recorded at Not Fox Studios in St. Louis, Missouri. Our noble producer is Matthew, and you can find his work at swiftobjectives.com. Until next time, true believers, keep nerding out.